When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Long Acres Finance Channel. Today we are going to talk about the lost decade, what it was, how often has it occurred in the past, and most importantly, should you worry about the next one? Let's start with a little refresher on what exactly the lost decade was. In the simplest way possible, the lost decade can be described as a period of 10 years during which your investment lost value. And the most recent lost decade was actually not that long ago. It was the first decade of the 21st century. More specifically, it started on January 1st, 2000 and ended on December 31st, 2009. The S&P 500, one of the more popular indices to measure equity returns in the United States, lost a cumulative 9.14% during this period of time. That means, if you invested $1,000 on January 1st, 2000, by December 31st, 2009, this $1,000 would be worth only $908.60. Imagine how depressing this must feel. You invest your hard-earned money, go about your life for 10 years, and come back to see that now you have about $100 less. The reason this period of time resulted in what is now called the lost decade is because it started right when the dot-com bubble popped, and ended right after the financial crisis. The 2000s were actually a worse period of time to invest in the S&P than the 1930s. The Great Depression, which started in 1929 and lasted almost through the entire 1930s, resulted in the worst bear market, with the S&P declining more than 80% in the span of just a few years. However, if you invested $1,000 in the S&P on January 1st, 1930, by December 31st, 1939, this $1,000 would be worth $911.30, which is a whopping $2.70 more than the S&P returned in the 2000s. Looking just at actual returns between 1930 and today, these two decades, the 1930s and the 2000s, were the only lost decades for the S&P. The remaining seven decades saw the value of the S&P increase, in turn growing your capital. Now this isn't the whole story. As investors, we not only seek to increase our capital, but we also want that growth to outpace inflation. So to really evaluate whether a decade can be called a lost decade, we need to look at inflation-adjusted returns, or real rates of return. Between 1930 and 2019, the average annual inflation was about 3.13%, but not every decade experienced the same inflation rate. For example, the 1930s were a deflationary period, with inflation declining by 2.04% on average per year. Therefore, adjusting for inflation, the annual real rate of return during the 1930s was 1.12%, and not the actual rate of minus 0.92%. And therefore, the 1930s technically were not a lost decade, because while you would have less money, your buying power would actually increase during the decade. And during the 2000s, the average inflation rate was 2.53%, which gives us an annual real rate of return of minus 3.48%, and not the actual rate of minus 0.95%. To put this into context, if you recall, the value of our $1,000 investment at the end of 2009 was worth $908.60. Well, this $908.60 in 2009 is equivalent to the buying power of just $716.80 at the beginning of 2000. So not only would you end up with less money, the money you would have left could buy you less things. The 2000s really were a terrible period of time to invest in the S&P, but this wasn't the only decade with a negative real rate of return for this popular index. During the 1970s, the value of the S&P grew by 77.69%, or 5.92% compounded per year. However, during the 70s, the country experienced some of the highest inflation rates of the last century even outpacing the inflation we are currently seeing in the economy. For example, in 1974, the annual inflation surpassed double digits with a rate of 12.34%. And in 
and in 1979 it reached 13.29%, with the average annual inflation during the 70s being 7.36%. When we combine the S&P return with the average annual inflation, the real rate of return for the S&P slides down from 5.92% to minus 1.44% per year. So while investors saw their portfolio value increase during the decade, the rate at which their buying power declined outpaced that growth. But if we look at the S&P from a longer perspective, only two out of the last nine decades resulted in actual and inflation-adjusted losses. In general, the stock market has rewarded long-term investors with strong returns. On average, the S&P offered an 11.82% annual rate of return between 1928 and 2021, and an inflation-adjusted annual rate of return of 8.75%. If you invested money in the S&P for any 20-year period since 1928, it was impossible for you to lose money, and your investment would always outpace inflation. If we look at just the 10-year periods, there were a total of 85 10-year rolling periods since 1928 and only 5 of them resulted in the S&P losing value, and 12 if we look at inflation-adjusted returns. The absolute worst 10-year period was between 1929 and 1938, with the S&P losing 1.67% on average per year. The best 10-year period was between 1949 and 1958, with the S&P gaining 20.11% on average per year, and the average 10-year period saw an annual gain of 10.39%. In terms of dollars, this would see a $10,000 investment decline to $8,449 in the worst-case scenario grow to $62,482 in the best case scenario, and on average grow to $26,864. These are actually very respectable results. In a different context, owning the S&P for any 10-year period since 1928 had a 5.8% chance of losing you money, and a 14.1% chance that you wouldn't outpace inflation. But on the flip side, there was a 94.2% chance your money would grow, and an 85.9% chance it would outpace inflation. The worst 20-year period was between 1929 and 1948, with the S&P returning 2.37% per year, which would see a $10,000 investment grow to $15,975. The best 20-year period was between 1980 and 1999, with the S&P returning 17.7% per year, which would see a $10,000 investment grow to $260,171. And on average, the S&P returned 10.77% per year during any 20-year period growing a $10,000 investment to $77,283. By extending your investing horizon from 10 to 20 years, resulted in a 0% chance of losing your money, and exponentially increased your odds of faster growth. The worst 30-year period for the S&P was between 1929 and 1958, with the average annual return being 7.97%. This would see $10,000 grow to $99,818. The best 30-year period was between 1970 and 1999, with the average annual return being 13.63%. This would see $10,000 turn into $462,292. And on average, the S&P returned 11.05% per year during all 30-year investment periods, turning $10,000 into $232,295. You may have noticed that the average annual return has increased as we move out from the 10-year period that had an average return of 10.39% to a 20-year period that had an average return of 10.77%, and to a 30-year period with an average return of 11.05%. Additionally, while the average rate of return is increasing, the worst and best returns are converging towards the average. This pattern actually breaks when we move out to a 40-year holding period, as the average annual return drops to 10.87%, which is below the 11.05% average return for the 30-year periods. However, the worst 40-year rate of return improves on the worst 30-year rate of return, moving up from 7.97% to 8.45%. And the best 40-year rate of return declines from the best 30-year rate of return, sliding down from 13.63% to 12.46%. But even though the average rate of return for a 40-year holding period is worse than the 30-year holding period, the extra 10 years of compounding makes a huge difference. 
At worst, investing in the S&P for any 40-year period since 1928 would have multiplied your original investment 25.6 times. At best, it would have multiplied 109.6 times, and on average 62.1 times. If you're listening to this and you're still in your 20s and 30s, this is great news, because you still have enough time to invest in the S&P for 40 years and enjoy the benefits in retirement. And if you're in your 40s or 50s, the average 30-year holding period still offered very attractive multiples, between 10 and 46, with the average being 23. So while the worst 40-year period was better than the average 30-year period, multiplying your money 23 times with little effort is nothing to sneeze at. I understand all of this math may be hard to follow, and I did just throw a whole bunch of percentages and dollar amounts at you, so let me simplify things a little. For the 40-year holding period, at worst it took roughly $40,000 invested in the S&P for 40 years to turn you into a millionaire. Keep in mind, the chances of you catching the worst 40-year period since 1928 was about 1.82%. And this also assumes that you made one single investment in the S&P, and that was the extent of your investing career. Let that sink in for a second. If you took $40,000 and invested it in the S&P at the worst possible time during the last 94 years, it would turn you into a millionaire. On average, it would take about $16,100 invested for 40 years to turn you into a millionaire. And in the best case scenario, it would have taken a $9,117 investment to turn you into a millionaire. If anyone is curious, the best 40-year period started in 1950 and ended in 1989. Technically speaking, if you start investing at the age of 18, you have a 50-year horizon until a full retirement age of 67 to let your money compound and grow your wealth. I think it's safe to assume that most 18-year-olds are probably not too interested with sacrificing today to be rich 50 years down the road. And on top of that, they probably don't have 10 or 40 grand to just plow into the S&P. A much easier form of investing is dollar cost averaging, where you invest money on a periodic basis over long periods of time. Let me show you what type of results this investing strategy would have produced. By investing $1,000 at the beginning of every year for a period of 10 to 50 years. Again, I'll show you the worst, best, and average outcome since 1928. For the 10-year period, this would be a total investment of $10,000, equally split into $1,000 each year. The worst possible outcome would be a loss of about $1,800. The best outcome would result in a final value of about $33,000, with the average being about $19,000. So at worst you could lose 18%. On average you would nearly double your money, and best case scenario you would more than triple your investment. For the 20 year period, the total investment would be $20,000, also equally split into $1,000 per year over a 20 year period. The worst possible outcome would leave you with about $31,000. The best case scenario would result in about $177,000, with the average being about $80,000. So at worst, you would see a return of about 55%. On average, you would quadruple your money, and the best case scenario would multiply your investment nearly 9 times. For the 30-year period, the total investment would be $30,000. The worst possible outcome would leave you with about $136,000. The best case scenario would result in about $562,000, with the average being about $251,000. So at worst, you would multiply your money about 4.5 times. At best, you would see an 18.7 multiple, and on average you would multiply your investment about 8.3 times. For the 40-year period, the total investment would be $40,000. The worst possible outcome would leave you with about $423,000. The best outcome would give you about $1.245 million, and on average you would have about $681,000. So worst case scenario, your money multiplies more than 10 times. On average you would multiply your money 17 times, and the best case scenario would multiply your investment about 31 times. And finally, the 50-year period with a total investment of $50,000 for all of the 18-year-olds out there. The worst possible outcome would leave you with about $984,000. The best outcome would produce about $3.983 million, with the average being about $1.998 million. So at worst, you would nearly 20x your investment. On average, you would see a 40x multiple. And best case scenario, you would multiply your investment by nearly 80 times. To wrap this up, 
I don't know if the 2020s will be a lost decade or not. There are certainly many troubling events going on right now that could cause the market to tumble. And there may be other catalysts in the coming years we can't even foresee. One thing is for certain, more time in the market is the best way to win for the average investor. Instead of trying to time the market, the average person's time is better spent finding money to invest and to keep doing so consistently for as long as you can. The past 100 years were filled with terrible events. We had two world wars and many other global conflicts. Inflation raged in the 70s and 80s. We had the Great Depression, the dot-com bubble, the financial crisis, and more recently the pandemic market crash. Yet the S&P still managed to be one of the best vehicles for generating long-term wealth. I believe it will continue to deliver the same results over the next 100 years. So if you ask me, investing in the S&P for 30 to 40 years is probably the best route for the average person. You don't need to know anything about the stock market or modern portfolio theory. Just buy a low-cost S&P 500 index fund and hold it for a very long time and you'll likely do just fine. Matter of fact, you'll likely achieve better results than the average investor that typically underperforms the broad market. That's it for today. If you enjoyed the video, please give it a like and subscribe to the channel. Thank you for watching and see you next time.